In a world where a man loves movies and loves lists and keeps a list of his 100 favorite movies for over 30 years, what if he made his wife watch those movies in order? And what if he made her talk about it on a podcast? Would she like them? Would she hate them? Can this marriage possibly survive this podcast? Find out what will happen in a world called Craig's List. Happy New Year, everyone. Feliz Año Nuevo. <laughs> How do you say Happy New Year in French? In Francais? En Francais? Uh, okay, Carla's staring at me blankly. <laughs> Clearly, you didn't take French. I did, but okay. I don't remember how to say anything. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I barely have uh, faculty over the English language. Yeah. Uh, I took Spanish. Uh-huh. Um, but this is the first Craigslist podcast of 2017. Oh, yeah. First one recorded, first one released. It's a whole new year, clean slate. We just found out that North Korea is probably going to attack us with a nuclear bomb this year. Yep. So it really puts a lot of urgency on getting this podcast done. Uh, <laughs> so we may end up starting to do two a week so we can finish before the impending nuclear holocaust. Oh, my God. Uh, but we're, <laughs> we're not going to talk about that today, but I, I know it's fresh on Carla's mind. It is. So. I was just reading about it. I'm okay. terrified. I, I mostly just want you to be able to put yourself in her mindset and her mood as you listen to her comments. Yeah. Uh, so fear of, is where I'm at. Fear. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, guys. Today's movie is a classic of world cinema. Or cinema, as the Italians <laughs> say. Uh, this is Jean Renoir's 1939, The Rules of the Game, or La Regla de Jeu. Oh, I was saying Rules of Engagement. Okay, Rules of Engagement is, uh, is that a, a James Vanderbeek movie, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is. Um, that, uh, that Roger Avery did? I Who think. knows? Yeah. Um, I saw that movie. I did not. Isn't there also a TV show, like a CBS procedural called oh, Rules of Engagement? Maybe. Maybe a spinoff of NCIS? Do you want to introduce our friend? Nope. Because <laughs> I feel like he could maybe chime in on some of this well, to validate our okay. thoughts. Well, we'll see that in a second. We are lucky to have a guest joining us for today's Craigslist. He is a musician, a singer, an actor. <laughs> Uh, Elvis it, Presley. <laughs> it's not Elvis Presley. Oh, oh. <laughs> uh, let me give you some more information. And, okay. And uh, you can tell me who you think it is with new, each new piece of information. Okay. So uh, actor, musician, actor, uh, singer, uh, uh, podcaster. Walter Cronkite. <laughs> I'm Walter Cronkite. <laughs> Pretty good. How does a podcaster eliminate Elvis Presley but bring Walter Cronkite <laughs> into the mix? Well, today's podcasts were yesterday's evening news. Oh, okay. Uh, Kurt Neer. What? Punk rocker. And our friend. Our friend. It's Todd Cooper. Todd Cooper. Hi. <laughs> I'm so glad I could talk about it. <laughs> Kurt Neer is my, my best credit. <laughs> Well, the oh, one I'm most Kurt Ne. Oh, I see. I thought you said Kurt 
and then a last name, Anir. Our friend, our Kurt friend Kurt Anir. Kurt, Kurt Anir couldn't make it today. Uh, we Kurt don't know Anir. him. We don't know Kurt Anir that well. Curtis Anir. Um, but, but no, uh, Todd used to pull the curtains for the thrilling adventure hour, which That's is how right. we, uh, we first met, but he's so much more than that. <laughs> and Thank he's been God. on a moratorium of not being able to talk about the rules of the game. You probably watched it a week ago, I maybe. Actually, just a few days, but okay. I saw you guys yesterday and it has been making me crazy. <laughs> yeah, That's we all you wanted to do. Hours. All I wanted to do was chat about yesterday this movie. and we okay. didn't talk about it at all. Oh my God. Cause we hadn't seen it yet. We started it last night. And I thought this was going to be one of Carla's third and done mm-hmm. because the movie is about an hour 46, which means about 36 minutes is a third of it. As you all know, for the rules of Craigslist, Carla only has to watch a third of the movie in order for it to qualify. She kind of did, fell asleep a couple times, but we made it about 45 <laughs> minutes in the movie last night. And we went to bed uh, thinking that was it. She was done. And then about two hours ago, Carla suddenly – Got it in her head of like that she needed to finish the movie today and she did. So you she did? powered through. I did. We did skip probably Good the most you. famous scene in the movie, uh, which takes place about midway through, which is the hunt. Well, here's why. Because I put on Twitter that I hate that I was bored and I didn't want to watch any more of it. And then people were tweeting at me that I needed to. I <laughs> I am so I glad bad. that you didn't see the hunting scene. Uh-huh. Was it really traumatic for you? Uh, not traumatic, but I was doing my own uh, Carlos quotes in my head, <laughs> and it was, why are we watching this, is yeah. what I figured it would say. We um, started to watch it last night, and I was like, wait a second, are these real animals? They are. It was real animal murder. Yeah. Yeah, the, it's it's not faked. Uh, it's disgusting. No, you see some, uh, some rabbits and some pheasants die uh, on screen. But it's all to serve a thematic point okay, oh, I can't of this movie. Wait for you to tell me why this is a great movie. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I I know it is, but I I I am not. Maybe I'm putting it on me. I'm not smart enough to know why this movie is so good. Okay. Real quick though, you thought you had seen it before. So remember, I told uh, Craig that I had a French friend who was really into film, really into French films, and he gave. Who not me, Francois? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Uh, he gave me a list of like, I mean, it's like 90 movies. Okay. And he's like, you got, it. these are the movies you have to see. This was on the list. And remember, I think I told you, I was like, maybe I've seen that. And I was like, no, right. no, I haven't. We started the movie and I was like, I've absolutely seen this. I don't think I made it 30 minutes. Oh, really? Oh, the first right. time. Okay. okay. No, because we were watching it and I was like, where is this headed? And I was like, I have no memory past this. And then everything was new. So, <laughs> so, yeah. so you're bored to tears the first time. I don't – I must have been – it must have been one of those things where I had like great intentions of like I'm going to watch this French film. Right. And this, like, this movie that everybody says is so amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's, I want to love old movies and I want to love all French movies but it is a choice to dig into them. Sure. Like you're not watching an easy <clears throat> movie where you can kind of zone out. Like you're reading and you're paying attention. Mm-hmm. Um, I love them but you have to be in a mode. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to do it and I think I just bailed last time. And Carla, were you familiar with this movie at all? Nope. Never heard of it? I think maybe I'd heard of it. Okay. But it could have been Rules of Engagement that I heard of. I'm glad. Oh, I'm glad I can talk about that now. I also don't know what that is. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't sure. Well, let me paint a little picture for you. It's 1939. Uh, Europe is is about to uh, go to war. Europe. Europe. (laughs) 
Okay. <laughs> the continent. <laughs> not Europe. The Europe. Con- not the band. <laughs> the, the band Europe. <laughs> Am I the only one who heard him say that weirdly? <laughs> Europe. Europe? Like, hey, you're buddy, up. you're up. You're up. Uh, Europe was up for war. Okay. In 1939. Um, the Nazis were on the rise. Uh, and <laughs> Jean Renoir, uh, the great French filmmaker, writer, director, uh, he had just come off of, uh, his classic La Grande Illusion. The Grand Illusion. Mm-hmm. I, guess, uh, I was going to say The Grand Illusion. <laughs> I had a good guess about that. And uh, Jean Renoir is the son of uh, the Impressionist painter Pierre Auguste Renoir. Wow. Oh, I was wondering. Okay. You noticed a similarity in the name mm-hmm. there? The Renoir part was similar for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. That totally lines up. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Rings art bells. But he's the son? He was the son of uh, Renoir. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Does that match up well, the impressionists, ages. the impressionists were working in like the 1880s was okay. like the big decade yeah. there. And this, so, uh, this is 19, right. 1939. Jean oh, Renoir was the... born, uh, I think. I in... guess that tracks. All right. It all feels so ancient. <laughs> it does. <laughs> like you see artwork, you're like, Picasso, what was he? Uh, like 1742? <laughs> like you don't know. It's right, just right. before you. Yeah. Right. I know. Uh, and this movie is meant to be a, uh, a critique on the French aristocratic class. Uh, and so it's kind of a, uh, a send up of their, uh, kind of petty interests. Uh, it's similar to La Dolce Vita, which is probably similar in your mind, uh, in covering this podcast in terms of what it, uh, satirizes. Uh, so we made a bunch of, uh, French aristocracy. They all have, uh, lovers and wannabe lovers. And, um, they, uh, they go to a, a French country estate for the weekend. Um, the, uh, the main, th- there probably is no main character. There's a bunch of, uh, characters kind of treated equally in it. But, uh, Christine de la Chenet is uh the wife of uh, the marquis de la chenet who's a a jewish uh aristocrat and landowner and uh she's loved by uh, andre who is a pilot pilots you know at the time like think tony hawk mm-hmm. <laughs> like that that's who that's who pilots were oh is that oh cuz kind of daredevils yeah daredevils yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were they were the badasses of the time and so he's kind of like wanna be uh part of the uh the elite class uh and he's fallen in love with christine meanwhile uh the marquis has his own lover uh jean uh christine is loved by her friend octave who's also best friends with andre and then they all have servants who were in love with each other and are, are trying to have sex with each other uh and so it's kind of a a comedy of manners uh kind of a you know Typical bedroom farce of a bunch of, uh, characters running around trying to, uh, to fall in love and to, uh, have and sex. to bore Carla to pieces. And to bore Carla to pieces is their goal. Um, <laughs> what is Carla doing? Is she bored? <laughs> if not, we must make more love. <laughs> my French accent is very similar to my Italian accent. That's by fine. The way. That's fine. Uh, so, you know, th- this was released, uh, or this was being made in 1939 as, uh, Hitler was, uh, invading Austria and, uh, and Poland and, uh, Renoir kind of saw the writing on the wall and knew that the Europe, um, 
that he grew up in was was crumbling and he wanted to kind of critique the uh the decadence of it hmm. and so uh that's kind of the uh that was the inspiration for the movie uh a lot of it is improvised um he had about a third of the dialogue written and then he had an outline and then he and the actors kind of uh, arrived at the the dialogue together really uh hmm. but if you compare this to a uh, Hollywood movie from the 1930s, uh, you'll see a lot of differences. Um, there's a lot of deep focus, first of all. And this is a couple of years before Citizen Kane really kind of pioneered uh, deep focus techniques. But there's a lot of action going on in the background. Mm-hmm. And uh, you'll notice that like all of the – none of the actors are waiting around to say their lines – uh, everybody's acting and in character at all times. And you see a lot of, you know, you, you've got to be perceptive and kind of like noting what's going on. There's a lot of overlapping dialogue too. So this movie was bit very influential on, uh, Robert Altman and, uh, Altman's movie Gosford Park is almost a direct remake of, uh, rules of the game in that there's a, a bunch of different characters at a, a lavish country estate. There's a, there's a murder, there's a hunting scene. Did mm. uh, Altman know he was doing a remake? <laughs> I'm being serious. Did he say like, this is a remake? Well, there's a bunch of quotes, the booklet that comes along with the criterion version of the film that we watched. Oh, we ha- we own this. Yeah, we, we guess who else does? <laughs> you do? No, I, oh. I'm actually got to bring it back. I haven't given you that. <laughs> when oh, I ordered right. it from Criterion, I actually accidentally got two copies of it. So I, I dropped one off with Todd Pretty last week. Sweet. Did we pay for both of them? We paid for one. Oh. You uh, got an extra one for free. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you can keep it. Like, here, you store it. But they have a, they have a bunch of quotes from That's a bunch of different great filmmakers, uh, including a lot of filmmakers who are on Craig's list. They have a quote from Noah Baumbach. They have a quote from Vim Vinders, uh, from Cameron Crowe. And uh, Robert Altman's quote is simply, the rules of the game taught me. The rules of the game. Hey. Oh boy. Yeah, so go clever. out and get that booklet, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of information. <laughs> also, every 10 years, the, uh, the British film magazine Sight and Sound, uh, conducts a poll of film critics and filmmakers as to what the greatest movies of all time are. And the rules of the game is the one movie that has made the top 10 every year that they've done the list. Top 10? Since 1952. Weird. Uh, and it's usually been number two behind Citizen Kane. It, uh, in the most recent poll, it dropped to number four. Um, so it's a, uh, it's a classic of, uh, of world cinema. So Carlo, on in your top 10 of all, all of your favorite <laughs> movies, what, what number is Rules of the Game? Um, number three. Five. Oh, fair. <laughs> So if I'm, <laughs> if I'm picking up on context clues, I'm guessing that you guys did not dig this as much no. as I did. So tell me uh, what it was like uh, on your end. Do you want to go first? Well, I, like I get the – it's very upstairs, downstairs, uh, uh, Downton Abbey style to me, uh, the aristocracy stuff. But it, the same kind of things are happening in the in the um lower cast essentially yeah yeah they're kind of modeling themselves after the aristocracy you know um there there's a big scene where they have uh all the servants having dinner and there's like some anti-semitism there uh-huh. uh and you know that they uh they want to be <laughs> these people and they're modeling themselves after mm-hmm. them oh see i just couldn't yeah, I couldn't follow it. I had such a hard time. I thought this, I thought 
these two actors were the same character for half the movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, like, I was just... After we watched the first part of it, I was like, nothing has happened in this movie in 40 minutes. I don't know one thing that... I couldn't tell you, except the, a, there's a pilot who was mad that a lady didn't show up. Yeah, and at one point, uh, when you're about... You're about maybe a half hour away from the end of the movie. You thought the pilot was the husband of Christine. Yeah. And so in confessing his love, you thought it was a husband and wife that were reconciling. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's sweet. <laughs> and then I realized because you told me that. I, I was going to tell you, nope. I knew who was who. Not great still. <laughs> didn't make it. I, I feel about this movie the way I feel. Uh, everyone's going to think I'm a monster. I was just in Paris this year and we didn't go to the Louvre. We were there for a week Mm -hmm. to walk around and see shit. And Mm -hmm. I didn't go to the Louvre. Like we decided let's not go because while all that art is beautiful and brilliant and uh, it it becomes very much the same thing over and over to me. Monster. Uh, See, I know, I know I'm, uh, I know I'm wrong, but my thing is. (laughs) Monster. Le monster. I knew that, uh, (laughs) Like in in terms of history, um, things that are happening for artists, like they're influencing people. So this is the first person that you that painted light orange, uh, and that means you know <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Like it's that it level, Picasso. it's that level level 15, of art minutia that people, yeah, that, that people get excited about. Right. And and I just don't know enough about it to care. Like you telling me that the deep focusing, I'm like, great, that totally makes sense to me. But I've also seen all the movies I've right. seen do that. Yeah. So it's not groundbreaking to me. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Well, something that I thought was interesting that you just said, Craig, when you were describing it was that it was uh, supposed to be a satire. And it makes me think, which I often think is this with movies that are old, which is I don't understand satires from <laughs> 50 or 60 years ago because I'm not of the time. So to me, it just seems like a bunch of people not acting like human beings, <laughs> like <laughs> acting ridiculous for no reason because I don't understand the context of it. And so I don't know. I'm I'm trying to think if there's a satire, something satirical that holds up. That's a movie. Obviously, we have some literature. <laughs> Obviously, right? Classic. Classic. Uh, Mark Twain. Sure. Uh, Citizen Ruth. That's yeah, but tr- that's from the 90s. Oh, that's about 20 years old. <laughs> oh, you think of a really old satire? Yeah, okay. like I can't. I can't think of. I mean, even you said uh, La Dolce Vita was satirical, yeah. and it doesn't feel like it watching it. You just feel like it's just a bunch of people acting dumb. Also, probably a language and cultural barrier, too, right. that's mm-hmm. there. Um, I think also, you know, the, like the camera is constantly moving and is very fluid, and I think mm-hmm. most movies at the time had very static mm-hmm. camera, so he's got some some long takes. Uh, and so it, it's a very lively movie. There's a lot going on in the frame. Uh, and, you know, all shot on location and most movies were kind of shot on sets mm. back then too. So, and the famous scene that you, that you missed was the hunting party, which is kind of the, the, uh, the beaters, you know, beating all these, um, uh, rabbits and pheasants out of the woods, you know, for these aristocrats to just, uh, shoot them. And Renoir was a pacifist. And, uh, I guess never hunted either. And, uh, he didn't shoot that scene. He had his, uh, assistant direct the, uh, Is that right? the scene. Yeah. Because you couldn't bring himself to, uh, to do the scene, but he needed to include it in the movie because he wanted this scene of carnage, uh, knowing of the war that was coming. Wow. So, and that's really interesting 
that is really interesting. Everything you just said was really interesting. Yeah. But then I have a question of, do I have to like do homework before I see a movie to understand or appreciate it? <laughs> and if so, then is it a good movie? Shouldn't it be able to stand on its own without me having to know that information? Well, that's why I think it's like for a cinephile mm-hmm. uh, like Gross. myself. <laughs> yeah, a, file, a file on the end of anything. <laughs> it's just like, ugh. He's a pedophile for movies. <laughs> <laughs> file, file just means you love something. No, I know. I know. I know. Every time, every that's time I hear That's the quote of the podcast <laughs> right there. <laughs> There's a file thing for audio, like audio files, and every time I hear it, I'm like, mm, the person likes young music. <laughs> I know I'm changing the wrong part of the word, but it's so closely related. Look. It's <laughs> great. Poor guy. I can't even say <laughs> cinephile. <laughs> I drive around the neighborhood and I offer, offer candy to movies to try to get them in my car. Um, oh my god, you should see all the movies he keeps in his sock drawer. It's so upsetting. <laughs> he thinks I don't know they're there. Oh, I'm sorry, Chris. <laughs> but I know. But, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, uh, which is, you know, the historical context of it, of being important and just reading this booklet here of like how many filmmakers and critics were influenced by it. Yeah. But yeah, to the general public, like none of that is that important, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, it, without that additional information, maybe it doesn't stand on its own. Uh, in this day. I think that that's a valid critique. Uh, but I think knowing how groundbreaking it is and to me, uh, one of the, uh, the critics uh, that I was reading kind of said of like that, uh, most modern filmmakers, everything serves the plot. Uh, and the way that Renoir made movies is everything kind of serve the character or if like there's some scenes that you don't know why they're there mm-hmm. and it's kind of cumulative effect that everything starts to add up. Um, all these scenes accumulate, all these details you're learning about the characters accumulate and then it finally comes together in the end. And I do think this movie has a really satisfying and moving ending mm-hmm. where all the, the parts kind of come together. Mm-hmm. I, agree. Um, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. And I like, this is it's it is so like it is exactly like going to the Louvre for me. Like, I, well, I <laughs> but you didn't go. It. I didn't. So I I'm assuming. <laughs> no, but like when I go to art museums, when I'm not in the modern art section or like mm. like the Broad or something, um, I can look at it and like go like that's beautiful. It's really cool. I don't know enough about it to really appreciate it the right way. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like. It's a beautiful painting of Mary. There's one there. There's also a painting of Mary. Like, <laughs> here are 50 paintings of Mary. But, like, they to know why. Mary. They really love that Mary. <laughs> to know why that they, you know, I'm looking at what I'm looking at. And that makes a big difference. Um, I, like, the, the camera, sh- like, the movements of the camera, especially for that time, are incredible. There are some camera moves in this film that are, like, brilliant. Like, I remember seeing them going, wow. But imagine it, how heavy they were then. I can't – I mean, yeah. I, it's brilliant what they were doing. I, it really like – no question, it's beautiful. Um, the cinematography is gorgeous, but it is like story-wise, I'm like, what are we doing? Like, yeah, why are we doing it? But I – but I also – again, yeah, I know that I – I know I'm wrong I, or that it's – But you're not. Else. But I do – but I do think <laughs> If that, you're wrong, then I'm wrong and I'm not wrong. <laughs> 
I just think that it is like you're like these type of movies require a knowledge. Like you do have to come in with a ground level understanding mm-hmm. to yeah. And you could have prepped us more for this one, is what we're saying, Craig. <laughs> you could have sent us some some one sheets to look over. Well, I think uh, for the podcast, I'm just more uh, curious about your gut reaction to it. You okay. know that that's you know your guys' response is a very valid response. You know, it's and just it, dumb, <laughs> and, it, and it forces me to try to come up with justifications for it too. Um, there's a quote from uh, the film critic Jay Hoberman who says uh, that Woody Allen, Mike Lee, and Robert Altman have been trying to remake this movie every time they make a movie. Wow. Uh, and knowing that it's a favorite for Noah Baumbach and Cameron Crowe too, like uh, it's uh, – Noah Baumbach in particular, like some of his movies like Margot with the Wedding – um, feel very influenced by this and that, that, you know, it's, and Francis Ha, like a lot of like little character moments that not really serving any sort of plot. And I thought 20th Century Women, which is a movie that we just saw and liked a lot, mm-hmm. uh, is in a similar style as well, where it's all about cumulative effect. And I think when we finished watching that movie, I was like, I think that all took place in a week. And you're like, I, I couldn't even tell, you know, mm-hmm. cause there's no like, plot thrust to it it's just meeting these five people and seeing them interact in various combinations and getting to care about them mm-hmm. um i think uh and clearly you didn't care about these characters no. which is probably why and then the movie didn't resonate for right. you um i do think there's some very good performances in it mm-hmm. renoir himself plays octave the uh the Aww. best friend so that's renoir that is Renoir. That poor little guy. <laughs> and, uh, I, never, I didn't know that. Yeah. And to me, like, that's the most devastating, uh, moment of the movie where, like, he and Christine are kind of best friends and really love each other. And, uh, they kind of confess their love and he's going to run off with her. And then he sees his friend. Uh, and he, you know, he's been trying to like set up this romance between Christine and Andre for the whole movie. And then we sees his friend. He's like, she, she's out there. Just go to her. You yeah. Know? Uh, and it's a really kind of sweet and nice, uh, moment. And then Andre gets shot and, and killed in a, in a case of mistaken identity. So it's a really kind of tragic, mm-hmm. sad ending. Mm-hmm. Let's get into some Carlos quotes. <laughs> <laughs> There's not that many. Uh, <laughs> And, and any Todd's quotes that you uh, quoted yourself while watching it? I didn't quote myself, but I can tell you some things that I thought – one thing that it for sure stuck out. Okay. Yeah. Now? Okay. Yes. Now. Uh, <laughs> go. Um, there was – there's the, that scene at the very beginning where it's his first thing where he shows a music box. Yeah. Um, yes. I know what you're talking it's about. It's like a black character. <laughs> the word yes. translates so awfully. It's so I think it's, it's a negress, right? Yes. It's a romantic negress is what he yes. says. Yeah. It's so – yeah. Uh, yeah, beautiful. He says it's a – describes it as like a beautiful or romantic. Yeah. But but I, I just assume that's just an old translation. Like the <laughs> like the you know what I mean? I Romantic know. Negress? <laughs> Maybe. Was it what just, it was. That's what was that's what was, it hit me so sideways that I was like, what? Yeah, well we talked about this last week too. It, it happened, it happened one, night. one night. There's yeah. just these really awful, like yeah. inappropriate ugh. It's a different time. I mean, yeah, you have just, to shake it off. You have to like walk out of the room and shake it off. It did. Like I, I was thinking about you a lot with that kind of stuff. Uh, I, I can't wait to hear. I have one guess for a Carlos quote <laughs> that I'm, I'm pretty sure about. Okay. 
Well, maybe even then that, uh, I mean, because the, the character, the, the marquee, you know, he's obsessed with these little music boxes. And then at his party, he debuts the, like this giant calliope that he's so proud of. And yeah. that was to me, uh, or Renoir said that was, uh, the most important scene of the movie. And so the, the idea that he's so like infatuated with this trifle, this meaningless thing, that he's this wealthy guy who can just collect these things. So maybe even then it was meant to be offensive, the, uh, oh, the romantic negress, or maybe not. Yeah, maybe, maybe it did, it did, it felt, it felt offensive. Maybe it's supposed to reflect badly on him, yeah. uh, even in 1939. And what we're talking about, you guys listening, because they're like, what the fuck are they talking about? The romantic uh, negress. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, is a doll who like it? It's a music box that plays music. But it is holding an accordion, and ever so slightly, the hands are going back and forth like it's moving. But I kept watching the accordion. I'm like, is it supposed to make it look like it's? It just looks like it's yeah, just slight yeah. movements. It's really yeah. it's, very strange. It's kind of creepy. Yes. Yeah. looking. It's a, a cartoonish version of a black woman. Yes, is what I it is. I almost think it was supposed to be creepy too. Like yeah, because even like. I'm I'm not a super smart, but I definitely got the vibe that like the like the music boxes were clearly a thing of like opulence, uh, and that yeah. it was that it was sort of goofy, yeah, but opulent made it like look how dumb this dude like that he cares so much about this goofy thing, right? Is part of it. <laughs> and he did have another one later that was like a creepy looking white lady too. Yeah, and then so he yeah. collects awful music boxes of all races. Yeah, exactly. Really. Yeah. Okay, moving on. Uh, right at the beginning of the movie, uh, we, uh, we see, uh, Andre the pilot has just landed and it's kind of like a Charles Lindbergh, you know, Amelia Earhart situation where all these fans are there to see him, uh, complete this transatlantic crossing. And there's like journalists that are there. And, um, I forget whether it's, uh, Octave in the car or maybe it's just, uh, some journalists or whatever, but there's, uh, a, a car kind of driving toward a bunch of people that are there. And Carla's like, Oh my gosh, get out of the way. He's going to run those people over. Wait, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> oh, because the plane looked like it was going to run them over. Oh, that's right. Is it the plane? Yeah. yeah. The plane comes down and all these people are standing there. And I swear I thought it was going to start with like, with a, a- an air disaster. An yeah. air disaster on the ground, <laughs> him mowing the people over. Oh my gosh, get out of the way. He's going to run those people over. Wait, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, That felt, by the way, like it was a half an hour into the movie. It, it was like 30 seconds into the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I have to tell you guys, I love this podcast so much. And sitting here watching Carlos quotes happen, this is like going to see the Ramones live. You guys are my podcasting oh, Ramones. Man. Like a- I'm so flattered. I just saw Beat on the Brat. Like the- I saw that song perform live when you guys did Carlos quotes. Now, do the Ramones hold up, or do you have to know the context of the New York punk scene in 1976 in order to appreciate? Them? I think they do hold up, but in that because I know about it, I'm fine but- with it. I- yeah, which that's I'm, a difference. I'm right? on board. as a music as a music nerd. Like, there's things of like the and that's when you love something. You start to accumulate stories about it, and it's like, hey, you love Meryl Streep, but you also know like uh, where she was in her life when she did that performance, mm-hmm. and uh, who uh, who she was dating or married to, and what her thoughts about doing that performance are. You know, mm-hmm. context is everything. <laughs> 
just not having any of it. <laughs> okay. Well, when Andre is interviewed by the, uh, the, the reporter, uh, he starts to talk about, uh, this woman, uh, that he did this for. And, and it turns out to be Christine who he's in love with. But Carla said, uh, he's talking about his mom, isn't he? <laughs> So. That would be such a good movie. <laughs> I, I want to see Carla's if, version of this movie so bad. Starts, guy lands a plane, wipes out twenty people, yeah, kills yep, them right yep. away, and says, "I did it all for my mom." Fiend. Fiend. <laughs> <laughs> and and then I don't know what this was in reaction to, but you, I think when he when he was talking about his love for Christine, Carlos said, "Oh man, the French really wear their hands on their sleeve." What? <laughs> <laughs> you might have meant hearts, but <laughs> I think that's a classic French saying translated to English. We wear our hands on our sleeve. What do, what do you expect? Where else? The hand comes right out of the sleeve. <laughs> I think I meant that they were being obvious. <laughs> yeah, because of course your hand comes out of your sleeve. Exactly. Therefore, these people know what they're doing. Uh, as we start to figure out that though, there's all these pairs of lovers going on, Carla said, whoa, this is really saucy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like a lot of people talking about having sex with people that aren't their spouses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was quite saucy. It really was for the time. Uh, no, no code in France. So they can do it. Yeah, they can do it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Uh, somebody at one point says when pigs fly, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, when pigs get wings. Oh, when pigs get wings. Yeah, that's, that's right. Is. Not when pigs fly, yeah, but yeah. when pigs get wings. Which I don't know if that's a mistranslation or if that's just the way they say it. I want you it know. to be the French way. That's but Carlos said, when dogs have fins. <laughs> <laughs> here's, here's what Carlos said during the romantic negress part. Oh, my God, Racist. <laughs> I had guessed that. And then I walked out and <clears throat> sh- shook it off. Uh, I don't think this needs any context, but uh, I don't understand what's going on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's a scene early on when Andre and Octave are driving, and Andre is so distraught, he drives right into a ditch so and dumb. smashes the car. Oh, so dumb. And Carla's reaction to that is, all these people are dead now. <laughs> I Did you think that watching it? I couldn't <clears throat> tell if it was a really bad crash, like yeah. an old timey, like that's good enough for it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or or if, if they meant a- to do it that poorly. Yeah, but then yeah. like I couldn't tell. Like he keeps talking. We only about get it. one crack at this. Yeah. <laughs> We're smashing up this car, and that's it. Yeah, I couldn't tell. Yeah, I couldn't tell if it was like that. He was really trying to commit suicide in that scene, or if he just wasn't paying attention. Yeah, like I, I never was quite sure. What exactly was happening? This, by the way, the most expensive movie made in France at the time. Believable. (laughs) Smash up that car. Uh, At one point, uh, Octave says to uh, Andre, your head's in the clouds. And Carla said, because you're a pilot, head in the clouds, pilots. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. I guess I did more Carla's quotes than I remember. Oh, you did a lot of Carla's quotes for this. Uh you were asking about Octave and Christine. You said, are you sure they're not lovers? And I said, no, just old friends. And you said, like you and me. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have to say that one. That was just a joke for us. Well, you've got to make that distinction at the time because okay. I'm sitting here writing down everything. Okay. Oh, that's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to get a Sarah quote, but she sat quietly during this. Oh, I wanted to really? bring in a Sarah quote. Did you make Carla watch it? this whole thing? Sarah. I was watching it, and then I looked over at one point, and she was playing two dots on her phone. 
<laughs> she had, she was out. She tried. Yeah, she got in there. Uh, uh, after she said that thing about all those people are dead now, there was a dog on screen, and Carla's favorite thing to do when there was a dog on screen is, do you think that dog's still alive? <laughs> I, so, I thought that. <laughs> I thought you might say that. She didn't say that at the time, but she did say, if I could give birth to a dog, that's the kind of dog I would give birth to. <laughs> It was like a big old hound dog. Oh, it's so cute. <laughs> I wanted it. I like that now when I see movies, I always think, I wonder if that dog's alive because of you. <laughs> now that's in there. Two recurring themes. Where is all that plastic? And uh, What landfill is all that plastic What landfill is all that plastic in? And are, is that dog still alive? Yep. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, boy. And we see uh, the dog is, is picking up some dead rabbits in its mouth. And Carla said, is catching the rabbit a metaphor for catching the pussy? <laughs> It's a sexy movie. It's a sexy movie. Uh, And Carla didn't even see the hunting scene, and she said, this is back before animal rights were a big deal. (laughs) For sure. Because it was so clearly a real rabbit that was dead. Oh, yeah. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What are we watching? There was a lot of in my house watching it going like, wait, is are we seeing this? Like, Uh. it it was crazy. Uh, when we see, uh, the Marquis' lover, uh, Genevieve, Carla, she's wearing kind of a leopard print thing, and Carla said, I like her outfit. You think it's real tiger? Leopard? <laughs> uh, and I said, yep. And Carla said, gross. <laughs> <laughs> so you like it as long as it's not real. Synthetic is bad too, though. Uh, <laughs> you gets that too? <laughs> yeah. But it was very fashionable. Uh, Carla fell asleep and said, I'm bored. <laughs> <laughs> then okay, good. we've got a whole new set of Carla's quotes from today because then she powered through and watched the last hour of the movie. Yeah, post, thanks for letting me. Post hunting scene. Watch that again. <laughs> <laughs> I blame Twitter. I, did, I didn't make you, but yeah, I guess you felt guilted by Twitter. Yeah. Okay. Um, the... Uh, the two women, uh, Christine and Genevieve, she, she catches, uh, Robert and Genevieve, uh, kissing with her field glasses. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, uh, and then kind of confronts her and they immediately bond. Yeah. <laughs> over the fact that they both think he's a dick. Yeah. Uh, and then they kind of bond over him smoking in bed. And we just had that whole thing about smoking in oh, bed right. only it happened one night. And Carla said, they're talking about smoking in bed like they listen to our podcast. <laughs> Just listen to your podcast when I was watching it. I was so excited. Like, oh, they're talking about it now. And at the end of their conversation, they have this really kind of phony laugh of like, ah, ha, 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 ha. and Carla said, ah, ha, 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 women. <laughs> women so, giggle a lot. So much set up <laughs> for that fucking glass, at, like the hunting glasses scene. Yeah. So much discussion. Like, just look through them. I don't even yeah. know that you have them, that they work. Just look through them. <laughs> I, trust the, I trust they're real. Yeah. Like, at oh, the man. time, at the time, binoculars were a new thing. Mm-hmm. Were they? No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Do you hear I said it? This one, they need to introduce the idea to the audience. Okay, people tweet at us and let us know when binoculars were a thing. <laughs> I have some stuff from the last podcast. But by these the way. were like state of the art. Did oh. you hear what I said? <laughs> <laughs> you have some stuff from the last podcast. Yeah, people tweeted at us at the end. Oh, remind me. Did they give us the answers? Yeah. Okay, great, great. Um, <laughs> so tweet at us and then we'll talk about it on the next podcast. It takes a village. The wisdom of crowds. Yes. Mm. Is yes. that a Renoir movie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not watching it if it yes. is. It's not. It's pretty long. <laughs> 
and uh, there's a whole sequence at this decadent country party where they're kind of like doing like a like a sketch review. <laughs> Basically, they're doing a masquerade ball, like yeah. people dressed up in costumes. Uh, and there's something that I'm pretty sure is supposed to be anti-Semitic of a bunch of guys in like Jewish hats and beards too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but Octav is in a bear suit, and Carla said, "I know why you like it because there's a person dressed up as a bear." <laughs> And why do you think that's a thing for me? The first time I ever saw you improvised, you played a bear on stage. <laughs> you played a polar bear trying to escape um, from the ice caps melting. Really? It was, was right after Al Gore came out with that movie. <laughs> wow. And it must have been in your head. It was so timely. Yeah. Because I only did material that was ripped from the headlines when yeah. I was at Second City. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I thought it was just a a, a Jewish dance. I thought they were just Jewish men (laughs) doing like a, we'll show these guys a cultural dance that we have. And everyone's like, we're all on board. And now it makes more sense. I didn't even realize that they were Jewish. (laughs) (laughs) So diminishing returns. I took them at their word. Uh, Carla said, oh, all old movies have to have a weird musical sequence. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Which you also said about It Happened One Night. Totally true. Um, around this time, you also said, this is a strange movie. <laughs> <laughs> and Octave keeps going around asking somebody to help him take off his bear suit. Yeah. And Carla said, what's wrong with him that he can't take off a costume? <laughs> <laughs> he was so upset. He walked from room to room. Look, have you ever tried to put on boxing gloves or, you know, it's nope. similar. It's similar. When you're wearing a full bear suit, you know, you're in these bear uh, paws and you don't have the full grip of your hands. So you need somebody to help you get started. It is challenging. Okay. I've been in a bear suit. I can speak to this. Really? Oh, yeah. When? Uh, I did a, I got to be with John C. Riley on stage at Largo one time. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell us the story. He sang a song at the Watkins Family Hour called Simon Somebody and is a Amazing Dancing Bear. Yeah. And uh, he's like – Is that a Randy Newman song? Yes. That's exactly right. And he's like, I rented this bear costume, but I don't have anybody to wear it. And he said to Sarah, do you think Tom would do it? And she's like, "Uh, I don't even have to ask him. Yes. (laughs) That's so cool. I got to put it on. It was the best night. The lights were out. The electricity went out at Largo. And so we, it was all by candlelight. And oh, so the wow. bear costume must have looked, and it was super wow. realistic looking. So I came out, just danced around while he sang. It was the funnest. That's why John C. Riley's so great. He fully commits to everything. Yeah, like he rented a bear costume yep. for a song. That's so cool. He doesn't fuck around. No, he's dead serious. He's so <clears> good. Can you get him for our podcast? Yes. <laughs> Oh, he said. Can just, you wear a bear he suit? asked me to watch this movie and talk to you about it for him. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. He's a big fan. He's a big fan of this movie. <laughs> oh, I thought you were. He's a big fan of us. Oh, he's a big fan of the show. Big fan of the show. Carla also obsessed with eyebrows in old movies too. Oh, yeah, because they're crazy looking, dude. That guy's eyebrows. Yes, yeah, see, <laughs> Todd and I couldn't be more on the same page. We're so on the same page. We're like a paragraph together. Uh, we're talking about the Marquis, played by Marcel Dalio, and uh, yeah, he does have some crazy eyebrows. And Carla said he's he's got good eyebrows. Looks like a lady. <laughs> I was they're, being sarcastic. Oh, okay. They're so bananas. They're crazy. I could not. I almost couldn't get through it. They're impressive though. Uh, you know what movie you've seen him in? Uh, it's Casablanca. Hmm. He plays the croupier in Casablanca. Yes, he does. So That's that right. that scene where Claude Rains is like, "I am shocked, shocked that gambling is going on in this establishment." He's the guy who comes up. He's like, "You're winning, sir." Oh, funny. <laughs> uh, because he uh, was a Jew who uh, needed to escape Europe 
uh, before the, the war wow. happened. So he ended up making his way to Chile and then eventually to America wow. and he started acting in Hollywood films uh, after that. So this was his last French film for, oh, so for many years. Oh, my I'm glad he was okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then he and Andre kind of get in a fight over Christine and there's a literal kick in the pants <laughs> Carla said that's a kick in the pants if I've ever seen one <laughs> it does it looked like he but just she kicks said his it like pants. Groucho Marx <laughs> It doesn't even, he doesn't even kick his butt. He kicks his pants. And then you said, these are the girliest fighters that I've ever seen. That fight was weak. It was <laughs> so weak. I'm telling you, they they weren't behaving like real people. During the second half of the movie, just a lot of sighing from Carla. And at one point, uh, she made this sound. Oh, this, this is the worst of them all yet, I think. <laughs> Worse than Blue Velvet? Yeah. Really? Wow. Well, at least Blue Velvet, I understood what was going on, even okay. though I didn't like what was going on. I mean, wow. And you okay. hate this more than the other French film, too? Yeah. What other French film? The one you or the Well, Italian La Dolce Vita. Yeah, yeah. Italian. Yeah. I hate this more than that, too. Okay. Really? I'm okay. here for the worst of it? Yeah. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. <laughs> um, these people are fucking dumb, Carlos said. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And then there's a moment where that gunshot goes off and uh, Robert thinks that, that he's injured, but he's not. Uh, and, Carla, and his mistress is kind of attending to him. And Carla said, he just got shot in the heart and you're to blame. You give love a bad name. <laughs> that's a little Bon Jovi um, can't fix. <laughs> uh, Schumacher, who's the, uh, the game warden uh, and the husband of Lizette, who is the maid to Christine, uh, he's jealous because she's having this thing with the, this poacher. Uh, and so he's just running through the mansion, shooting off this gun. And Carla said, this is an early PSA for gun control. <laughs> then she said, this is such a weird fucking movie. None of it makes any sense. <laughs> I was um, getting mad because I didn't understand what was going on. Wait, is there anything in here? I thought for sure. I felt this way. I thought yeah. for sure that you were going to say something about like the way Christine quickly just goes like i'm in love with you yeah and then not a few minutes later is like i mean like life-changing love like i'm yeah. gonna run off with you love yeah yeah minutes later octave she's like i'm in love with you i thought for sure you're gonna say like what's with the like, this is what people think women think like <laughs> well the, it was i don't know if i did say something but it was so confusing because then yeah octave comes in and even before she admits that she loves octave she says that she's not sure she loved the guy that she just said she was totally in love with so crazy <clears throat> so weird she played it well though because when she did tell him she loved him you, there was a little bit of like i love you but i'm still thinking about it yeah, I, 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 yeah. uh this may be the greatest carlos quote of all time oh my god <laughs> it's it's at the the tragic end of the movie and uh <laughs> Andre has just been uh, unjustly murdered. Oh, no. And, uh, you know, it's it's so, like, tragic and, and heavy and moving. And I kind of looked over at Carla to see what she was feeling. And suddenly, out of nowhere, she burst out, Shot through the heart, and you're to blame. You give love a bad name, but it's the rules of the game. <laughs> That was so good. And then she just had one more, which was guns. Can't live with them, can't live without them. (laughs) 
<laughs> that was your takeaway from the, the tragic the ending. Rules of the game. Oh, Carla, you want to give the rules of the game a letter grade? F minus. <laughs> Todd, how about you? Uh, oh man, uh, I'm gonna give it a a D for watchability, but I will give it. Uh, I'm assuming a B plus or at least an A for. Uh, Changing the way f- film and cinema is done. I just don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> You're so diplomatic. Okay. Okay. No, but it's true. I, I know that I, there should be more than I know. I literally, when I said, I can't wait for you to tell me why it's great, I really mean that. <laughs> like, I really was excited to hear about it. And I'm you're like, still I'm, waiting. No, I'm in. I'm on board. I don't want to watch it again, but I'm on board for why it's good. Uh, F minus for fuck off Frenchie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's two Fs. <laughs> yep. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, uh, in, in fairness to you guys, I, th- I think I can admit that this was probably on my list more as a, uh, a historically significant movie mm-hmm. than something I could honestly say is one of my 100 favorites. So m- though maybe I was seeing it through your eyes <laughs> watching it again. Uh, I do think it's very moving. Uh, I, I think, uh, I like that there's a lot of moving parts. Uh, literally and, and figuratively, um, I think it's a very lively movie. Like, again, like the frame is kind of bursting with action and, and characters. Um, and, uh, I, I think that he brings together all these disparate characters very well in the end. But, uh, I think I can probably come up with a hundred movies that I like better than this. Yes! One. This is the first one he's taking off. The Wait, list. it actually leaves the list, you think? There, there's a couple others that we've covered that won't be on the new version oh, really? of the list. Yeah. Oh, wait. I remember Say Anything, right? I think Say Anything in Blue Velvet will also come out. Yes! Wow. It's a big I deal. I mean, Say Anything's fine. When, what number was this originally? 80. This was, I guess we didn't, we didn't say. Did 84. We? This is 83. I think this is number 83. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. the And we'll cover this by the end of the podcast is what are the movies that are going to go on the list to replace these ones that are that are coming off. So Harry Met Sally. Possibly. I can't rule it out. It's a candidate. Um, yeah, I would say so far that Say Anything, Blue Velvet, and uh, Rules of the Game are out. Hmm. So there'll be at least three spots. And then Tucker, Squid in the Whale, Time Bandit, Splendor in the Grass, Poltergeist are all maybes. Wow. Maybe, maybe they're in, maybe they're out. You Interesting. Know? Wow. Uh, all the others that I've rewatched are definitely in. Okay. Wow. So, I think that uh, if we've covered 18 movies so far, yeah, uh, and we have, um, that's 10 that are in, three that are out, and five that are on watch. <laughs> um, wow. I need to say real quick that uh, we were talking about when donuts were invented last week. Okay, on yeah. The, it happened one night. Let me know. And, um, ich bin ein Berliner. <laughs> Mike Hassler at MT... Uh, Wait, no. MT Ertainment? <laughs> MT Ertainment. Okay. Um, said donuts created by the Dutch in the 1800s, but the round donut with a hole was in 1847. 1847. That's wow. Thank yeah. you, Dutch. And then Adam Bowling uh, messaged me on Facebook, and he's allowed to do that because we're Facebook friends. Okay. <laughs> and uh, he said that. 
Yeah, that there's, um, I don't, I didn't quote him, but in general, he said, uh, that there's some, uh, you know, uh, dissension as to whether or not it was in the 1840s, but that basically, yeah, that's when it was. Do we okay. figure out what pizza is when that <laughs> wasn't that? On we never podcast? did. Yeah. When, uh, let us know when pizza was invented. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tweeted us at what is it at craigslist pcast oh yeah that was in the first episode that was yeah. little, little, little and i'll get better at actually um reading what people actually <laughs> say and knowing how to say their twitter handles <laughs> we also got our first little bit of uh publicity uh yeah. for this podcast which was very nice uh chris royce put us on his list of favorite new podcasts of that 2016 really nice. so Thank you so much, Chris. He's tweeted a few nice things uh, about us. That was really nice, Chris. On his Thanks. Own, on his own behalf and on behalf of the JV Club podcast, which is a fantastic podcast mm-hmm. yeah. uh, that Janet Varney does that we recommend highly. Yay! So thanks to everybody who's been out there listening. And, you know, s- some of the regular listeners like uh, Todd Cooper may end up being guests on the show <laughs> someday. Yeah, well, stick with You're going to make it on here. This, this was uh, such an exciting thing to be asked. I was like, it really is one of my favorite podcasts. Sorry I have it wasn't a better one. movie. No, I, it's even better to like experience it. Todd, we've got 82 mo- more movies to go. We'll have you back again to cover movie. a movie that, that I know that all of us will like. I'm happy. I, I'm so happy. It, whatever, whenever, whatever I would do it in a heartbeat. <laughs> and what an opportunity to have a third guest who is an improviser and can join us in a little <laughs> khaki theater. Yeah. So there's a lot of love triangles in La Regla <laughs> oh, de Jou. Which love triangle should we improvise? I don't know that I understand any of them. (laughs) Better. (laughs) Well, it feels like we should probably do Lizette, Schumacher, and Marceau. And which ones were they? Then. Okay. So this is the game warden, the maid, and the poacher. Oh, right. Oh, she's a saucy minx. Okay. So Carla's going to play Lizette. Okay. Uh, And she's very flirty, and she wants to uh, live in Paris. She doesn't want to be in the countryside where her boring husband uh, is just shooting rabbits and pheasant all day. Uh She wants to make love to the men. Right. (laughs) Uh, And Marceau is this kind of sleazy guy who's a poacher, (laughs) gets hired as as a servant, and uh, starts hitting on her right away. And Schumacher's are kind of stick-in-the-mud husband. So who do you want to play, Todd? (laughs) Uh, I feel like I should play Schumacher so that you can be – Flirty with Carla. Okay. <laughs> so it won't be weird. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's, so it's not weird. I've had weird. to flirt with so many people. We're, we're old friends, no joke. Todd. No. <laughs> I think I had to flirt with Acker and with Paul. <laughs> Who else have we had on? Is that it? It's a thing that we do. Yeah. Like I like to watch other men flirt with Carla via improv. All of the movies Big that flirt-a-file. he picks. <laughs> all of the movies that flirt-a-file. he picks, the women are like, gross. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. Ready? Uh, oh, hey, hello, mademoiselle. You are you were a maid here at the house? I assume I am. I'm a, a maid who is ready to make. To make, you know. Best. What? I just walked in. I hear you're ready to make. <laughs> oh, this is my husband. Yes. What oh, are you I, making? And we are making nothing. I am just here polishing these boots. Yes, we're making shoes. Oh, okay. I must have been wrong. That's probably on me. Okay. Well, I'm gonna go back out and catch poachers. I'll be back in a while. Okay. Well, don't catch me poaching your wife. <laughs> <laughs> my husband. He's so stupid. Oh, he's so boring. I must kiss he's your so neck. dumb. I'm going to oh, kiss my your husband. neck. 
I have a husband. Oh, I'm married. I'm going to chase oh, well. you around the room. Oh, chase me. Oops, I fell right oh, on my I, face. I fell right on top of your face. I just remembered I forgot. <gasps> What's going on in Nothing's here? going oh, on here. stupid husband. You're so stupid. I'm very smart. I oh. have a college degree, but I love to catch a poacher. <laughs> There's a bunch of poachers out there <laughs> catching your rabbits. And uh, just because his penis is hanging out does not mean that anything weird is going on. I'm polishing the boots with my penis. You it, know what? Everything adds up. I guess I'll go catch poachers. Goodbye, stupid husband. Go away. <laughs> oh, I make love to you. I make love to you. I you make can, love you to can you. You can look at me. Oh, I want to put on a bear suit and make love to you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you come near to me with your bear suit. You have to help me get it on, though. It's so hard. I'm not touching it. The bear suit, that is. To I'm get not on. touching anything. <laughs> oh, I like I like. Men in bear suits. Me too. This is Craig talking as himself. That was a fine scene. Fiend, Ooh, those scene. accents were interesting. Fantastic. <laughs> Just great. Dead great on. accent work all around by yeah. all three of us. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait. Uh, Todd, thank you so much. That thank was you for such a me. pleasure of having you here. You have a plug, right? Oh, sure. Plug away, my friend. Listen to my podcast. Yeah, it's uh, so fun. <laughs> it really is. Felice Navi Pod. Felice Navi Pod. With Tony Thaxton. With Tony Thaxton. We talk about Christmas. I'm not a big fan, and he is. Okay, so this is a podcast that only airs during the holidays, or? You would think so. <laughs> All year round, you got to listen to these jokers talk about Christmas. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, it's a fun podcast. It's, we have guests. It's just a reason. It's such guests. a fun one. If you're a, a podcast listener who's looking for a gateway episode, uh, there's a two-parter with Matt Gorley that's just fantastic. Is it a two-parter? Yeah. It, yeah. Well, well there it, were two episodes. They were several months apart. That's right. Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. Um, but uh, Matt Gorley taking Tony and Todd out <laughs> to look for a Christmas tree. It's so good. And great crowd work. Too. Really good crowd work, yeah. <laughs> Matt Gorley is incredible. He's so funny. It's it's, it's really a delight. Fun. Any any other plugs? Um that's the big one for right now. Come come check uh go check that out. Yeah. <laughs> but don't come to my house to listen to it. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> well, Carla, I know that uh I, I'm always, you know, disappointed when you don't like the movie. So <laughs> it's it's very tough. You know, I, I want you to fall in love with these movies as Aww. I fall in love. With, with you me. and them. <laughs> I tell them. And I know that you've been complaining about, you know, a lot of movies that feature angry men. Oh, God. Um, so I think probably the best way is just get it out of your system. Let's get it all over with <laughs> oh, no. at once. So the next week's movie is from 1957. It's a courtroom drama. Oh, actually, a jury room drama. I've never seen this. Directed by Sidney Lumet. Who I like. And it's 12 angry men. Yeah. There are 12 angry men in this movie. Are there any women in this movie? There are no women in this movie. They don't even bring them lunch? <laughs> <laughs> what would be better or worse? Yeah, that was one scene where one woman brings the guys lunch. Uh, I think other than a couple of non-speaking parts, there were literally – because it was adapted from a play – there's literally only the 12 characters, the jurors. In the, the jurors. The jurors. The rural jurors. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, it's got so many great, uh, actors from the fifties. Henry Fonda, Jack Warden, uh, Lee J. Cobb, Jack Klugman. I know one of those people. <laughs> Ed Begley Sr. is in it. Ed Begley's dad. 
He's one of the angriest of the angry oh, men. Oh, boy. I can't wait. <clears throat> I didn't know there was an Ed Begley Sr. I didn't either. I <laughs> didn't it either. stands. Is there an Ed Begley Jr.? It totally. Of course there is. I just never did the math. <laughs> of course there well, is. Well, there could have been an Ed Begley Sr., but we didn't know that we would need to know him. Yeah. Like that he was yeah. a famous could person. Could have been a plumber. Yeah. Exactly. He was an actor. Also great. Mm-hmm. Would love to see him do some plumbing if that's what he <laughs> He was an actor and he's, uh, he's in 12 Angry Men. It also just so happens that PBS is airing this documentary on Sidney Lumet and his career oh, this cool. week. So we might watch that as a companion piece or at least watch the 12 Angry Men parts. Well, let's get through the 12 Angry Men first. Okay. Let's see where we stand. It's relatively on the short side. I think it's one of the shorter movies on yes. the list. So that's an advantage. Is it? How long is it? Uh, I think it's about an hour and a half. Well, that's not bad. Mm-mm. And uh, it, it's just a great lead performance by Henry Fonda, who is not angry at all. He's actually a very kind and decent man. All right. And uh, he's the premise of the movie. He's the one dissenting juror in a uh, in a murder case. Uh, they vote uh, eleven and one. Uh, I forget whether it's life. Don't in prison tell or, me. Okay, uh, but he's he's the one juror who votes not to kill the guy, uh, and then it's his job to convince the other jurors that he's right. Cool. You gotta go. I gotta go. We all gotta go. Uh, thank you so much, Todd Cooper. Thank you. Thank you so much, Craigslist podcaster listeners. <laughs> thank you so much, Carla. Uh, merci beaucoup, Jean Renoir, <laughs> Le Regular de Jeu, and Fiend. Bonjour. Bonjour. The list is an absolute good. The list is life.